0: Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, good morning. It is so exciting to be here at City on a Hill. It's exciting to be a part of what God is doing at your church Really, I'm, uh, I am blessed to be a part, if, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Tom Richter, I'm a pastor of a church in Queens, and have become good friends with Team Lecce. <coughs> and so, over the years, have been a part of that. They're the teaching team here. And I think sometimes, like, you know how you can't see your kids grow, but or any kind of slow developmental change like that, but somebody, like the uncle or the cousin, comes in and goes, wow, how big you've gotten. That's how I feel about City on a Hill. Uh, so let me just say, as somebody who's not here every Sunday, you're doing the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And on Sundays like this, you kind of get to see it pretty clearly. But for somebody who's out, you just got such a great church here. Glory to God. And you're fulfilling the Great Commission. And it's exciting. And it's... Uh, it's just that it's exciting to just be a part of that and to bill and ashley your word today blessed me i'm gonna steal it and preach it don't you worry all right that's uh (laughs) preachers just we just liberate things for other uses we don't really steal we're just liberating the ideas but really blessing and uh i'm uh, you know just so excited and excited to be a part i have a short message today i know you're like oh we've been lied to before uh (laughs) It is a short message because it's just one verse. We're going to focus on one verse, but I'll tell you, even though it's a short message and even though it's only one verse, I think today is one of those sermons that could be one of two types of sermons. It could be, uh, for the record, we're we're out of Ecclesiastes. We've been in the Ecclesiastes series, took a break last week for the water baptism, but we've been preaching through Ecclesiastes and we're going to be in chapter four today. But I'll, I'll tell you. It's one of those messages that, not because of anything I'm going to say that's profound or clever. In fact, it's one of these that you said, when you walk out of here, you go, I kind of knew that, or I could have told you that. You're exactly right. And nonetheless, this is one of those messages. This could be a turning point in your spiritual life. This could be a marker. What you're going to hear today could be one of those things that, wow, we actually made different life decisions as we're going back into the fall, many of us, a new uh, school year is starting. You say, that sermon, that day, that actually changed like major life decisions in my life. This could be a turning point. This could nudge the trajectory of your spiritual path, what you hear today. Or it could be one where you walk out and you go, yeah, no, that was great. Just completely shrug it off. You know? It's one of those two things. I'm convinced that there is such power in this. I know it's just one verse, and I know it's short, but there's such power that I'll do anything to try to drive this home for the best of my abilities. But what you need is just, as Ashley said, you need the Word of God. You need the Scriptures to speak to you today. And if you'll get this, and if I will get this, your family's going to be different this fall. Your relationship's going to be different. The way you spend your time, the way... All right, so here we go. So, this is a massive bowl of Skittles. Yeah. Uh, It's not multiple bags. All of this is just one 40-ounce bag. They sell them in 41-ounce bags because America. (laughs) And uh, uh, I got this idea, credit where credit is due. I got this idea from Pastor Craig Groeschel, who's a pastor at lifechurch.tv. You can go to the... I give his website because he streams all his services, and you can just watch him. If you ever, you know, check out Craig Groeschel or Life Church. And I got the idea of this message from him. I think he used Spree... But you get the idea. Now, uh, do any of you love Skittles? Anybody a big Skittles fan? Yeah, I like, a, I like a Skittles. You, you like to taste the rainbow, sure. Anybody in here? Uh, everybody on the count of three, let's all say the, clearly the best flavor candy of Skittle is the color, say it, one, two, three, red. That's right, you all said. If you said purple there, uh, you need Jesus. And <laughs> there's deliverance for your soul, I'm sure. So... <clears throat> Why am I using Skittles? Because everybody understands this simple concept. And for years, I believe this. It's real simple. If one handful of something is good, then two handfuls can only be what? Better. You all said it. If one handful of this delicious rainbow-flavored candy is good, then why not two handfuls? Two handfuls has to be better. If one Skittle is good, two is automatically better. And this translates into so many areas of our life. And this is just what our this is what our 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 culture teaches. This is what living on Long Island, this is what is going to be ingrained in you every single day. If one dollar, let's just take money, if one dollar in your pocket is good, two is automatically what? Better, yeah, two handfuls, baby. If one thousand dollars is good, then two thousand is what? There you go. If one hobby is good, two is better. If a one-car garage is good, a two-car garage is what? Better, yeah. If one fantasy football league is good, two is better, right? If one massive slice of bacon is good, Keith, can you help me? Two has to be better. You see where I'm going? If Hey, if one ki- if having one kid is good, having a second... Oh, there's some... Some hesitation there. I didn't. I didn't know what to make it at. Right? You with me? If a one-bedroom apartment in Queens is good, a two-bedroom apartment in Queens is what? Impossibly expensive. I don't know why. All right. Good. Good. You get the idea, buddy. Understand? If one wife is good, two wives is bad. That's a bad idea. Just, just wanted to test. Make sure we're all we're all there together. But if something is good. More of of it must always be better. That's the lie. That's what we're believing. That automatically, if, 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 if if one handful of something is good, two must always be better. And I believe for so long that lie, and it's not just me. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And here's the lie. What you don't have right now is actually what you need to make you happy. That's the lie. It goes all the way back to the snake in the garden. What you don't have right now is what you really need to be happy. Adam and Eve are there in the Garden of Eden. He you say, no, 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 Tom, it's true. If I could just, you know, if I just had a little more, I would. I'm not, I'm not saying I need excess. I just need enough. Listen, that's the whole point. The Garden of Eden, they had everything. Eden means paradise. And they were convinced by the serpent in the garden. Now, no, 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 no. I know you've got all these fruit trees and I know, but you, what you really need is to be your own God. What you really need is to be your own Lord. And it's just as simple as reaching out. You've got one handful of delicious paradise Eden-produced fruit. But what you really need is the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because, come on, Adam. Come on, Eve. If one handful is good, two handfuls have to be better. And we know how that turned out. It didn't turn out better. We automatically believe because we live in a culture where that lie is still going around. We automatically believe if a one handful life is good, two is automatically better. You need more of whatever it is you don't have. You just need more. It's out there. One handful's good. Go get two handfuls. Now, why, do, why a bowl of Skittles to illustrate this? Well, Skittles, they're an amazing candy. I like Skittles as much as the next guy, but they're so easy to pop in. You know, you just eat one, then you eat another, and then you're sort of mindlessly, you've eaten, you know, my kids, if I said, hey, kids, you may have some Skittles. No, there's no, there's nothing in my kid's brain that would be like, okay, I will take these. They go in both, I mean, they're dumping them into their shirt, right? There's no off switch. You know what I mean? They just keep going. You keep pop them in. Uh, Some of you right now, I know what's happening. Some of you literally cannot concentrate on the sermon because the only thought in your head is he is digging his sweaty hands into perfectly good skittles. That is bad stewardship. I'm never tithing to the church again. They're wasting skittles, right? And some of you, I know you, you're so messed up. You're sitting there thinking right now, I know what you're thinking. You go, I'd eat them anyway. Some of you are right now going, I wonder what he's going to do with those afterwards. You're not just going to throw those out. Right? He doesn't look too diseased. Yeah, I'd probably do it, right? Listen, uh, you have issues, right? That's the thing with Skittles. But here's the problem. If one is good and my kid is certain that one handful is good and a second handful is better, the problem is that makes sense until what? There's no off switch. You know what I mean? There's nothing in my little three-year-old, for example, that he's ever going to say, you know, I've had enough Skittles. It's not going to happen. He's going to eat and eat and eat until what? He discovers the truth of Scripture and he is going to puke the rainbow. He... So, uh, to be fair, I'm picking on, uh, I guess, candy lovers. But that, that's the point. I just want you to go home. I want you to remember, if one handful is good, hey, the lie is two handfuls is better. To be fair to candy lovers, just so, you know, I, uh, my, my thing, I like Skittles okay, but I'm not really crazy about the candy. My, my thing... Is uh, meat <laughs> in general? I, I'd be hard. Pr- I don't know if you told me, you know, Tom. Uh, you know, you could have a rack of ribs or this delicious steak. I, I, yes, I mean. I, <laughs> Um, and I asked Jack, my wife, Jackie, and I had been married for 10 years and uh, in May we celebrate 10 years anniversary and I you know, was c- preparing this message. I said, Jackie, can I share this story? We've been married 10 years. I've shared a lot of things, but you know, I would never want to share something from the pulpit. And she's like, it's, it's a lot more embarrassing for you than for me, buddy. You share if you want. So I said, okay. Um, When Jackie and I were dating, we dated long distance. We had a long distance relationship. I was in the northeast. I was in New Jersey for a time before I was in Queens. She was teaching in Charlotte. And we met up often in her hometown for a weekend. Sometimes we'd meet up in her hometown in Alabama. And so I flew into Birmingham, Alabama. She was coming from Charlotte, and so there was some time there when uh, I had a few hours before. My friends picked me up in Birmingham, Alabama, and I've still got three or four hours before I'm supposed to meet Jackie, or two or three anyway. And my friends tell me, yo, Tom, I mean, the airport, we are right, we're right next door to Dreamland Barbecue, bro. Dreamland. Now, if you've ever heard of Dreamland Barbecue, it's this place in Birmingham, it's kind of world famous you ever look in Southern Living Magazine or something. It's what they'll serve in heaven. And... You know, they, 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 they slow cook these ribs for like 10 years or something like that. And uh, anyway, it's amazing. And my friends are all there. And I polish off an entire rack of ribs at Dreamland Barbecue. I mean, potato salad, the whole thing. Why? Because if one handful is good, right? And so I'm just diving into this stuff. That's about 4.30 in the afternoon. If it, you know, I, I meet up with Jackie, meet up with her folks, and about about 6.30, that's just two hours later, uh, I find myself and it's like, okay, we're ready for dinner. And we don't just go anywhere, we go to this steakhouse. We go to the what, what, what's one of the best steakhouses in central Alabama there, and uh, we go there and uh, sure enough, the, we order this uh, New York Strip or this porterhouse or something, and it's so good. I mean, it's cooked just right. And, and my thinking, the whole time I'm eating it, I'm like, this may not end well, but if one handful of meat is good, <laughs> two handful are obviously better right i mean that has to be it's what we're told every day in long island we're being ad- that's advertised every day i was walking on main street the other day and the uh, the, the q44 drove by you know the, the ads on the side of the buses and it had a pair of uggs boots and at the bottom it said fashion really matters i was like well that's a sermon It's just like, hey, you're not carnal and fleshly and you're thinking enough. Here's a sign. Fashion really matters. Like, the absolute antithesis of everything that the gospel would proclaim. It's like, oh, hey, here's just, just one more message from Satan. BT-dubs. Fashion really matters. Uh, it doesn't really matter, is the point of... The, okay, anyway. But one handful's good. Two handful's better. Anyway, back to the meat. I, um, uh, at six, and so I'm eating all this stuff. And later that night, I could tell something's, something's not going to be good. Something's going to go horribly wrong. And... Uh, and late that night, Jackie and I had one of those serious conversations. Because when you're dating, you remember every conversation is so serious. You know. So we're having a DTR, a define the relationship. You know, what are we? Where are we? Where are we going? You know, and all that. And I remember sitting out there and, she, and we're talking about some serious stuff going forward in our future. She's, we're talking about marriage. We're trying to discern what is God's will in this. I mean, can, can you be married to a minister? And what's this going to look like? And what's our future? And she looks at me at one point and, and the whole time. I'm, and she says, "She says, Tom, when you think about, when we talk about marriage, we talk about these commitments. And we, when you imagine a future of us together in marriage. How do you feel? It's at that moment that my body decided to betray me. And right as she asked me that, I turned and vomited everywhere. I know, I know, I know. Real classy sermon. I know, you're glad you came today. Yeah. And I'm puking everywhere. And, and, right, and that's embarrassing enough. But think about it from Jackie's perspective. So when you imagine a future together, it makes you sick. I tell that story to make two simple points. Number one, for all of you single guys out there who are like, man, it's hopeless. I've got no game, bro. You got to have more game than me. And I got Jackie. So God's got you Be encouraged. The second more important point is that, uh, more is not always better. In fact, this is the, I put up here a key point. It's actually better to have less of what doesn't matter. In this case, a second full meal of meat. It's actually better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. This is going to be your memory verse. You, You may not, you know, you may remember the Skittles. You'll certainly remember that story. Uh, but, but here's what I want you to go home with. You're going to memorize a scripture verse. It's just one scripture and we're all going to memorize it together. It's straight out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. You ready? We're going to memorize it. Here we go. Better one handful with tranquility, huh? better one handful with some tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after the wind. If you've been a part of the Ecclesiastes series, you know ch- chasing after the wind just means futility. Uh, you're running in the rat race and nobody ever seems to get to the end. It's actually better to have one handful of tranquility than two handfuls, but you're full of toil and chasing after the wind. I'll read it one more time, then I'll make it go away, and you have to remember it from memory. So this is your last chance to cram before the pop quiz. Let's all memorize. Better, You might want to say it out loud with me. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Everybody got it? Because I'm about to test you. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And here we go. Say it with me. Better one handful with... Than... That's it. That's it. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Now why? Why is that, why is that better? <clears throat> well, for, for several reasons, but it is it is literally better, and I believe it's literally better to have one handful with tranquility. Because if I have one handful with tranquility, then I get this delicious handful of Skittles or stuff or whatever it is, but watch what it leaves me. If I have one handful, it leaves me, you ready for this? A free hand. And that means that when, when we meet, I can greet you with a friendly handshake. Hmm? If if you fall down, Ecclesiastes actually says this later in the chapter. If you fall down, watch this. Because I have one free hand, I can help lift you up. I can give you a pat on the back and encourage you. I can, and here, hey, best of all, I can, can Jameson, I'm just kidding. Best of all, I can, you ready? I can share my Skittles with you. See, because Skittles were made for sharing, you see. So I, I can do all those things. If, on the other hand, I have two handfuls, I've worked so hard and I've gotten this and I work for that job and I got my kids involved in everything, right? And my, my schedule is maxed out and I'm living a two handful life. Then when somebody new comes into your life, you don't think, Hey man, this could be a huge blessing in my life. You think, another burden in my life. Right. Or somebody else says, Hey, can I have some of your time? Mm -hmm. All right. Right. Or if, if somebody falls, what do you, Oh, Hey bro. Good luck, right? I mean, I know you're calling me at 10 o'clock at night, and I know you really need help right now, but I mean, I don't know, maybe some Christian will come by and help you. I mean, I'm a Christian, but like, two handfuls, two handfuls, I'd love to help. And worst of all, I can't share my Skittles. I can just sort of throw them at you. That's assault. That's not, I can't, that's the worst part is, I can't, it's impossible to share with someone when you're so wrapped up in getting and getting more and more and more of the Skittles, right? That's Why? It's better. The uh, celebrities talk about this all the time when they're interviewed. You know, uh, w- 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 Waylon Jennings. I stand by my examples. Waylon Jennings and his song, Lukenbach, Texas. Any, okay, I'm all alone. Uh, you know, baby, it's time we go back to Luke and Bach, Texas. Nobody remembers this song with Waylon and Willie and the boys. The successful life we're living has got us feuding like the Hatfields and McCoys between Hank Williams' pain songs and Newberry's Train songs. You remember this, right? So, baby, let's sell your diamond rings. Let's buy some boots and faded jeans. Let's go away. The coat and tie is choking me. You're high society. You cry all day. We've been so busy keeping up with the Joneses four-car garage. And we're still building on. Maybe it's time we got back to the basics of love. Let's go to Luke and Bach, Texas, you know. Uh, looking back, uh, you know, Kendrick Lamar's latest album makes the same point that all this fame didn't get him. So we got King Solomon, Waylon Jennings, Kendrick Lamar. The, the point is, oh, should have just stuck with King Solomon and moved on. The point is these celebrities are making the same point. Here, I've gotten everything the world said I would need. And what? I'd rather have one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Now, why? Why, do, why don't we stop at one handful? Solomon actually gives a couple reasons here. And he gives them, if you go back to verse 4. He says, and I saw that all toil and all achievement, right? I mean, why are we going for this two handful thing? I love this. All toil and all achievement spring from what? what what's toil? Toil is your work, your vocation. What is achievement? Your promotion, your artwork, your, the film you made, right? These works of art. Why do people do that? Why do they work so hard? Why do they have a vocation? Why do they have these achievements? They all spring from what? from the desire to produce something beautiful that glorifies God in the world. No. Where does all this hard work come from? Where does all this because deep down we just want to we want to honor God with our art and we want to present our work as a sacrifice. No, it all comes from one person's envy of another. I love Solomon. People call him a pessimist, but I think he's dead on, right? You think, well, not me, I don't. He's he's saying the reason you're working so hard is to keep up with other people, fear of missing out, FOMO, right? hashtag fear of missing out. That's why we're doing all. Well, I I don't, I, you know, I better, you know, I I know it's 10 o'clock and I'm I'm checking my email from work, but I don't know. They might be talking about me. They might be, they might be doing some deal without me, right? This is, this is what he's saying. All this comes from one person's envy of another. Now, some people would say, well, no, I, I don't, I don't struggle with this. I don't have envy uh, for, for other people. I don't think I try to keep up with the Joneses and so forth and so on. And I get I understand, but expand your definition of envy a little bit. Think of it this way. Where do you determine the standard for what is an acceptable number of extracurricular activities for your kid? You do what I do. You just look around at the other families. and you just kind of go well'm I'm doing I'm not doing enough. And that's Long Island. Your kid is three your kid is three years old. He's not in the Sunday developmental traveling soccer team to Canada. <laughs> well, I mean, neglect. <laughs> you know, you're obviously a failure as a parent, right? How many of, how many of you wore what you were going to wear to church today? How many of you picked that out literally because your last own, your only pair of clothes wore out last Sunday? You just have the one clothes because that's what you need. And you'd sewn it and patched it together. You darned those socks too many times. And finally, this burlap thing you'd been rocking just sort of disintegrated into dust. And so you went out and bought new clothes for this Sunday. No, right? You have multiple clothes to choose from. We do this because we look around and we go, well, that's not an acceptable way to live. You can't literally wear the same thing every Sunday to church. (laughs) Right? You can't do that. Uh, Where did we get that? We get it. From envy. And listen, it, I, I picked on Long Island, but you don't have to live in Long Island to appreciate this. Better one handful with tranquility. No, 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 no there's got to be more. And other, right? It's based on this envy of others. And, and what I mean envy, I mean where are you getting your standard? Who's discipling you on these things? Uh, uh, it, uh, you have an envy, de, an envy delivery system, an EDS. You, all of you, have access to an envy delivery system that was unimaginable 20 years ago. I grew up as a boy in western Kentucky in small-town America. And uh, there, we, we... I mean, of course there was envy. Of course there was jealousy because it was full of humans. But... We had to work a little harder at it than you do today. I mean, there was one place to get clothes. You know what I mean? There was a store to get clothes. It was called Walmart, and you would go there, and that's it. Oh, you got Jordache instead of Husky. Or like, there's, what do you envy at that point, right? There was a few car dealerships. Maybe you could envy somebody getting a new car. You get my point? Like, every kid had their birthday party at McDonald's. A sweet 16 was like, you got a cake, now it is sweet, you know what I mean, right? See that? A wedding, you ready for this? Now this, this, this is just, I'm just not even talking Long Island right now. I'm speaking, you're going to look at me like I'm talking a foreign language. Here's a wedding in Kentucky. This is what I thought a wedding was. A wedding, first of all, was the thing that happened at the church. It was a worship service. You ready for this? Afterward, you're not, you're not even going to believe this. Afterward, you know what we would do? We would go downstairs, and they would serve some wedding cake, some punch, and some mints. Everyone would have a lovely time. They would bring you a toaster and a couple extra toasters. You would laugh because you got six toasters and couldn't wait to go to Walmart the next day and get your toasters back or whatever. And the whole thing cost, I mean, maybe 50 bucks or whatever. And at the end of the two or three hours, everybody went home and enjoyed the rest of their Saturday. And that was that. Now, now, now that I'm I'm telling you, I'm not even speaking English. I tell that I I do premarital counseling. I tell them that people are like, we're moving to Kentucky. Because I'm talking to couples who are in the middle of this going, well, we could get a house mortgage or we could hire the band. Like what? Out of control, right? Why? You have to do it because, you ready? Everybody else does it. That's what, if, that's what Ecclesiastes 4.4 simply means. You're being discipled by the world. Uh, uh, now, the envy delivery system, and I, you know, but Facebook and particularly Pinterest is an envy deli- Some people use, and mommy blogs, don't get me started. Some people use Pinterest to go, oh, that's a cute idea for this baby shower. I'm, I'm throwing. However, you can't help it. When you look on Pinterest, you go, hey, I'm a pretty happy person. Let me go check on Pinterest. I'm a fairly happy person. Oh, I was a happy. Oh, I'm, I am a miserable wretch. ...who has done nothing crafty, I can do nothing right, my children do not look like this at all, right? Why did I go from fairly happy to completely miserable? Some people use social media as a great tool, and so I'm not knocking social media. But I think a lot of times it's just an envy delivery system... ...where we just try to, you know, see kind of what everybody else is doing. That's impossible. These standards... Are impossible. And it's a way to put up a facade and make your heart filled with envy. And I'm telling you, it's chasing after the wind. And so I know some people now that are sort of getting off Facebook and getting off Pinterest. Why? They're trying to go one hand with some tranquility rather than two hands with toil. And it's just chasing after the wind. Others might be here today and say, well, you know, this sermon's not for me because I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat Skittles and I don't get the point. You've missed the metaphor. Others would say this. They would say, well, actually, I don't struggle with a lot of ambition, I'm just sort of lazy. Well, okay, I get what you're saying, you know, you think I have I have no handfuls, you know, I don't I don't really envy anybody. I don't really do much. I'm just sort of lazy. Well, that too he comments on that. <clears throat> he says that the, the the fool folds his hand and eats his own flesh. What? Uh what this refers to is uh well, it means he's imploding. When you're lazy, you're wasting the gifts in the life God's given you. Derek Kidner says it this way in his commentary. The lazy man's idleness eats away not only what he has, but also what he is, eroding his self-control, his grasp of reality, his capacity for care, and in the end, his self-respect. You see, he's left to devour even the good things God has given. So envy leads nowhere. Laziness is even worse. That leads us back to better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. I want to give you some practical ways to do this. And so how do you do this? We live two handful lives because it's so hard. We, we, you get church once a week, you get those messages, but every time a bus goes by, you see fashion really matters. And that happens in a million ways. That's just one small example. You with me? So how do you do it? Let me, let me try to be as practical as I can. There's two ways you and I need to start doing this, and they both start with S, in our schedule and our spending. Okay? Let's, let's go after our schedule and our spending. For many of you, Uh, You have scheduled your life based on what you're just supposed to do as a Long Island family. But here's the deal. You've scheduled your spending based on, well, this is what you're supposed to spend money on. I mean, the world tells you, go into debt to get these things, and and you have this, and doesn't every family do this? And here's the thing. And you're going to look weird, uh, but as a Christian, and you're going to do this more and more as the culture shifts, you and your family are going to have to get good at saying yes to things That your whole community would say no to. And you're going to have to get good at saying no to things that everybody around you says, yeah, why not? You should totally do that. That makes sense? You're going to have to be really good at saying yes to things that are obviously no to everybody else. And no to things that are obviously yes to everybody else in both the areas of schedule and spending. So, I mean, you could give a million examples, but, I mean, your friends, and I'm sorry, you're doing what with your Sunday morning? Like, there's all these, you know, there's there's soccer leagues, and there's, you know, there's brunch, and there's all these things. You're doing what? You're going where? Oh, yeah, that's right. We say yes to family worship every single day, and yes, it is impossible to find shoes, and yes, it is impossible to drag the kid there, and yes, I get it. You're always going to be late. I get it. And it's really, really hard. What's even harder is when they're 17, trying to give them some spiritual anchor that they never had. So get them here every week. And you're saying, yes. And you see what you're doing? You're saying, we don't get all these cool Sunday things. But we get this thing called tranquility, right? So you're saying, yes, to things. like, I mean, you know, young urban professionals, my church, the the median age of my church is 33. Like, everybody's these young urban professionals. And they don't get it. Their families, their their friends are all looking at them going, I'm sorry, you can't go where Thursday night? You do what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We volunteer at this ministry, Urban Nations Outreach. We teach English as a second language to South Asians. And they're looking at them going, what? You can't join our ironic kickball league. You know, you can't join the foosball league at the pub because you're doing what now? You're volunteering your time. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, meanwhile, we say, we say no to things. Does that make sense? And in terms of money, are you kidding me? Like, why wouldn't you go into debt? Why wouldn't you take on this car payment? Why wouldn't you take on this extra uh, second mortgage and so forth and so on? And you do what? As a Christian, you say, well, no, we don't, we don't spend our money on things people can see. And yet you tithe? Like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? Because little by little, and this is what we teach our kids, there was a time when Christian values and American values kind of sort of aligned occasionally enough where you could almost convince yourself that Christian values and American values were pretty close. That time is gone. And that helps us in some ways as parents, and even if you're not a parent here, as people who want to disciple others. Why? Because I can tell my kids, oh, Katie, honey, honey, that's an American value. We have Christian values. And we don't get furious. We don't like, you know, raw, change everything, or eh, because we don't expect it. America's been great. I love America. It's like the greatest. Uh, Rome was great. It's gone. The Greek Empire was great. Macedonia. How's Babylon doing? Persia. I mean, America, come. So, why would I live and die for values that's here today, gone tomorrow? So, we live and die values of our king and our kingdom that is eternal that's all just remember you got two passports you know yeah 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 right 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 and hey as much as we can help put put salt and light back in america i'm all for that i just don't ever expect america to do what only god can do you see that's all and uh and and, and so you say well tom do i have to throw off everything i mean am I, is the point of this story to like go and live as a hermit somewhere and just take a vow of poverty Maybe, but no, it's not what I had in mind. I think you need to throw off everything. Here it is. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And that's why it's so hard to throw everything off as you look around the world and you're suddenly entangled by these things. That's it. That's the sermon. Better one hand with tranquility, say it with me, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Uh, Because it is a Christian sermon, I must point out that uh, you could do everything I've said. You could rearrange your schedule. You could go home and you could press delete on Google Calendar and everything's gone. You could immediately change your spending and you could put all these new practices into your life. Would you then have tranquility? Not necessarily. No. 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 Uh, because the word tranquility there, you could do all these things, but tranquility ultimately is not found. So far, I could have just preached this like in a public school, basically. Just, hey, guys, you know, back off on all these things. This is from Ecclesiastes. This is good wisdom. It's going to help you. But here's the thing. Tranquility in the New Testament, the word for tranquility they use is rest. And there's only one place you're going to find that. It's not in a new set of habits. It's not in a new set of things. Uh, uh, you know, rest is found. You know where. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 11:28. Come to me. Not come to a new set of practices, not come to a new set of habits, not even come to a church or denomination in particular, but come to Jesus. All you who are weary and burdened. If that doesn't describe two handful life, man, these people planning a wedding, planning their sweet 16, planning their Pinterest and all that stuff, weary and burdened. Ask somebody tomorrow morning on the commute, hey man, how you doing? What do they all say? Busy, man. Busy, busy, busy. How you doing these days? Oh, I'm busy. And then they follow up with, hey man, how you doing? Tired, bro. Tired. Busy, tired. tired. Tired, 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 busy. Busy and tired. No, you never ask me how you doing. Man, I am overflowing with energy and free time. Right? Right? And yet, I'm telling you, that's out there. That's a possibility. And some, some of you Christians are actually modeling that because you've had to say no to things. People are looking at you like you got, you know, two heads because you're living for Christian values. And Christian values says enough is enough and we're going to have some tranquility. And uh, Jesus calls those, those weary, those, those, man, I'm busy, man, I'm tired. That's exactly who he calls. And he calls him and he says, and I will give you rest. In the next verses, he says, take my yoke on you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Father, we pray that this scripture would be true in our life. That we would be one handful people rather than two handfuls with a bunch of toil and chasing after the wind. God, grant to us that contentment that over and over again we see in the scriptures, that resting, that, that trusting in you that you really can provide a kind of tranquility that we can't get in just consuming more. Father, we repent. I repent. of I, I've, I've been discipled too much by the world. And I've just sort of been easily entangled in what is sin, in the way I schedule my family, in the way I spend so father we repent of that and i pray that today would be a new direction a turning point and that this fall when we're signing up for things and 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 as we're looking at new opportunities and work and so forth that we would really weigh carefully the truth of ecclesiastes chapter four and live a one handful life with tranquility thank you god that you alone provide rest in a relationship with your son jesus if there's anyone here today who's not yet started that they've heard the testimony of these that have been baptized they've heard the word i pray today would be that day when they reach out to you and be saved we pray all this in jesus name amen Amen. thanks for listening to city on a hill's podcast For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.